Today's text is uh, from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, and verses 10 through 20. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Before you um, sing, I want to tell, I want to remind you that God's loving everyone and all of you. How old last week? Six. Six years old? Man, you look like you're seven years old. Well done. Good job. Excellent. Good morning, church. It's good to see you uh, this morning, good to be with you, good to worship with you this morning. Um, you know, I, I want to start with this, um, that most people who are thoughtful uh, and uh, paying attention to the text might have a problem with it. This whole idea of a, a devil and this warfare language and because, you know, that's the problem with religion and why we have so many problems in the world. Because religious people say stuff like, we're right, we're good, you're evil, and we're going to get you. And a lot of people have that perception of church people and Christianity. And I understand. Because the truth is, lots of horrible things have been done in the name of Christianity, Right? Lots of horrible things have been done in the name of religion in general. And I think that's obvious to anybody who's been paying attention. So I totally get why people don't like this warfare language, and I think I understand why they don't like this idea of a, a, a personal devil. That part just sounds, you know, ridiculous. And you know what? If that's you, before you tune out and take a nap, I want to encourage you to, to listen, to hang in there, with me for a little bit and give me a chance to explain it in a way that might be different than what you've heard be before. You know, I think all of us, if you have a TV, you know, a smartphone, a computer, or if you've ever been in any restaurant or bar that has a TV, we've all been inundated by the news that relentlessly show us, highlight the brokenness in our world, and it's filled with reports that fill our hearts with heartbreak and anger. And even our own lives are filled with brokenness 
and heartbreak and anger. And if you haven't faced that yet, it's probably because you're just young. And I want to tell you, it's coming. Now, I'm not being a Debbie Downer when I tell you that. I'm, as, a, as someone who loves you, as the old guy that loves you, I want to give you a heads up. And you need to be prepared for it. Times when you will feel helpless. There will be times when you feel hopeless. The rest of us have been there. And God wants us to be prepared for it. He doesn't expect us to accept it as the status quo. And that's just the way things are. We can't do anything about it or naively think that, that we in our own flesh and blood strength can change it all and turn it all around. You know, we've be, we're between series right now. And whenever we're between series, um, I like to take an opportunity to spend a few weeks and maybe address some things that I think um, our church family needs to hear or address a struggle or a problem or whatever. And, you know, this is the third week in a row that we've been talking about um, the power of, of evil and the consequences that are built in um, and the solution for it. And the reason is because, you know, most of the time, you know, people, an individual here be really going through it, a family over here really going through it. But lately, it just seems like almost a coordinated assault on our church family. I've talked to so many of you who are just going through it. And life is heavy, and it's dark, and it feels hopeless, totally broken. And we're looking for answers. Well, thankfully, the scriptures have something to say about it. The world can't give you anything but more brokenness. The scriptures can do something about it. They can diagnose the problem and offer a solution. And so because this is the season that we're in, this is why I'm spending a third week on this particular issue. And so for this morning, especially if you're feeling weak, especially if you're feeling helpless and hopeless. The topic here in this passage in verse 10 says, be strong in the Lord. This right here is the hope that you have. This is the only hope that you have in a broken world that's filled with evil, is to be strong in the Lord. And to understand what that means to be strong in the Lord, we need to ask three questions. And the first one is, why do we need the Lord's strength? And you can take notes with insert that's in your bulletin if you're a note taker. I'll give you three reasons why we need the Lord's strength. And the first one is this, that evil is real. It's real. Paul says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Obviously, Paul means that we do not wrestle only against flesh and blood. He's saying um, the evil that we see in flesh and blood is symptomatic. It's a symptom of a deeper problem. And if we don't see that, we'll try to fight evil in a thoughtless, reactionary, naive way. Now, it has been about two and a half years since I've made a reference to the movie Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I checked. I'm due. If you've never heard of Monty Python and the Holy Grail, it is a movie of 
immature hilarity. You remember when the Black Knight tries to stop the hero from coming through the forest? Nod your head if you remember that scene. Yeah, all the old people do. And so when he tries to stop the hero, what happens to the Black Knight? He gets all of his arms and legs chopped off, and it's hilarious, right? And after he gets all his arms and legs chopped off, what's he say? Tis only a flesh wound. And he goes hopping after him, tries to bite his leg and stuff, you know? He did not understand the seriousness of his situation. When we muster up the courage or the foolishness to take on evil on our own, we are the same way. We don't understand the seriousness of our situation. We are naive and we are outmatched. The Apostle Paul was almost assassinated. He was arrested multiple times. He was imprisoned most, multiple times in a dungeon with chains. And it was all done to him by flesh and blood human beings. But Paul says it actually goes deeper than that. The reason that you need the Lord's strength is because evil is real. Evil is a real supernatural power and you have no way of beating it. So we're baffled by all the problems in our world. School shootings. Just, they just, it's just amazing how many school shootings there have been lately. Shootings at nightclubs and churches and synagogues. And just the other day, a yoga studio. Just like two days ago. A world filled with child abuse and starvation and disease and cutthroat politics and manipulative propaganda and opportunistic wars, all of which just shatter the lives of countless people with immeasurable suffering. I don't think we can fully grasp how pervasive evil is. And so we don't think about it. We shut down. Evil is a supernatural power. It is all around us. It's in all of humanity. It's beyond our control. And we are powerless to deal with it. That's what the scriptures teach us about evil. The scriptures give us a diagnostic, diagnostic and it gives us a solution. Evil is both natural and supernatural. It is both outside and inside. And I know you might not agree with me this morning. I, I understand that. But you, you, you can't just say, you believe that nonsense? You believe that, that evil is a supernatural power that's, that, that's, that's ev everywhere? Well, let me tell you something. Let me challenge you just a little bit and, and, and help you realize that's not an answer. That doesn't answer the problem of, of evil. You're still left with no, no answer, no real diagnosis, no, no real, real solution. Scripture offers a diagnosis and um, uh, an answer. You may not agree with it, but you know what? We've all seen someone do something horrible that we never thought 
that person would be capable of doing. And maybe that person was you. And it totally shocked you. When evil hits us, we're shocked because we thought it was something that we can control. We ignored the scripture's explanation for it. We are powerless against it. Evil is real. Second, evil is subtle. Verse 12 is kind of vague. It says, for we wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. What's he talking about? Is he referring to demonic powers running loose in the world or real people and real institutions around the world like social systems and government systems and economic systems that are acting in an evil demonic way? Which is it? It's both. Because evil is subtle. In fact, Genesis 3 says, now the serpent was the subtlest of all the animals. The devil never says, hey, I got an idea. Let's be bad. He doesn't say that. No. The devil is attracted to people and organizations that are doing good things. And the more effective you are, the more evil forces are attracted, and the more evil will try to get you to work in evil ways. The devil never says, work so hard that you neglect your wife and you neglect your children and you destroy your family. The devil never suggests that to you. No. He says, you need to be successful so that you can provide for your family. The devil never says, hey, let's take advantage of those poor people. And, and I know, let's, let's invest in projects that rip off poor neighborhoods. Isn't that a great idea? Let's do that. No, he doesn't do that. The devil uses your desire for approval to keep you from asking your boss the hard questions about this policy or that project. The devil never says, you know what, let's start rumors against that jerk so everyone turns against him. No, the devil says, he treated you unfairly, and you know what, other people need to know so they don't get, you know, screwed over too. The devil never says, hey, let's, let's yell at your kids and shame them into obedience. No, he says, you need to speak the truth in love. Evil is subtle, and the devil uses good things for evil. And we need a heads up on it. And then evil is close. You know, it's interesting here. Paul uses warfare language, uh, but then he uses the word wrestle. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. He, uses, he was using military language. Now he's using athletics language. He's totally mixing his metaphors here. And, and I think he's trying to communicate that, that evil is close. We think evil is bad guys with black hats over there that we shoot missiles at. Or, or something over here where we fight, you know, with a gun. But listen, evil is so close to you that, that you don't see it until it's got you by the throat. Evil is closer than you think. And the evil most devastating is not obvious to you. It sneaks up on you. 
And you know what? Maybe someone's tried to tell you about it. Maybe someone's tried to talk to you about it or ask you about it. Maybe your parents or your spouse or your friends, but when they bring it up, they say, why are you making such a big deal? It's, that's not a problem. I don't have any problems. Or, or you shift the blame or you deflect. Or, or you might even say, you know what? If you had the father I had, you'd understand. And it's more deflection. Why don't we own it? Why, why are we in denial about the, the sin in our own, own lives, the darkness in our own hearts? Because we don't see it until it's choking us. We need to constantly take a look at our hearts and wrestle with it. The, the whole Christian life is a process of repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. It's constantly examining your heart, looking for the sin in it, and repenting of it, and resting in God's grace, and having your faith strengthened, and then examining your heart, and asking God to show you the sin in your heart, and repenting of it, and turning to Jesus for his grace, and growing in your faith. And the whole Christian life is like that. Evil is real, it is subtle, it is close. Second question, okay, so we need the Lord's strength, so what is it? What is the Lord's strength? Well, we know it's not flesh and blood strength, it's what we usually think. So check this out, look what Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So, this might sound a little crazy, but keep an open mind, all right? You will not be strong until you admit that you can't be. You will not be mighty until you admit that you can't be mighty. Who is the only mighty one? The Lord is. And so when Paul uses the title Lord, he's talking specifically about Jesus. And we're talking about the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is that? Well, Paul tells us in his letter to the Corinthians that Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities, triumphing over the powers and authorities by the cross. So this is so weird. This is so, this was what makes true Christianity different than all the other religions, including counterfeit Christianity. King Jesus wins by losing. King Jesus defeats evil by dying a humiliating death on the cross. And then God raised him from the dead to advance his kingdom of grace that cannot be stopped. This is the good news of Jesus. Paul is telling you, yeah, you're not strong, you can't be strong, but you can be strong in the gospel. You can be strong in the good news of Jesus' life and death and victorious resurrection. And, and so, so that sounds all theoretical, but we're, we're pinning our hopes on that. But what does it look like down to earth in everyday life? What will it look like if you're strong in the gospel? And, and here's, I want to camp out on this for a little bit. You will be both humble and strong at the same time. You'll be humble and strong at the same time. It, most people think you're either one or the other. But you'll be humble and confident at the same time. We'll be humble because we see that we were so helpless and hopeless in the battle with evil that it took nothing less 
than the death of God the Son to save us. And you'll be confident because you see that Jesus' resurrection means that Jesus wins. Yeah, the powers of evil are still waging a battle, but evil is doomed through Jesus' death and resurrection. And a day is coming when evil will be completely destroyed. If we don't have that hope, how can we live any other life than a life of despondency? So how do we fight evil? We fight it primarily through prayer and gospel proclamation. Paul says, put on the armor and pray at all times in the spirit with all kinds of prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. That's why we're doing, you know, three sermons on this right here. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all of the saints and also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. We battle against evil by talking to God about people and talking to people about God. We fight evil through humble, confident prayer and humble, confident proclamation of the gospel of grace need to remember, especially when you're going through it. What, I, don't, I don't know what you're going through right now, but I want you to apply this right now to your situation. To be strong in the Lord is not flesh and blood power. It is not we are strong, we are almighty. And all those other people who are against me, they are the darkness, they are the enemies. It's not military power. It's not political pressure. It's not vigilantism. You can't white-knuckle your way through it. Christian strength is the way of the cross, of weakness and service, of humility and confidence. All right, so let's drill down a little bit further here on this. More practical application. Let's apply it to three areas I think we all struggle with. Criticism, nobody struggles with that. Everybody loves to be criticized, right? Witnessing, sharing our faith. I think we all feel like we wish we could do that more. And suffering, who likes suffering? So let's apply it to criticism, witnessing, and suffering. When I'm criticized, if I am defensive, if I am discouraged, then I am not being strong in the Lord. But if I am strong in the Lord, I will be both humble and confident. I will humbly receive it and evaluate it and try to find what is true in it and then repent of whatever I can as opposed to just being defensive and deflective and do a counterattack. You see how different that is? Most of the time when people say, I want to talk to you about something because I have trouble with a few things that you're doing and maybe you list off five different things and on, on the fifth one you happen to have a small inaccuracy and that person says, whoa, 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 that's not true at all. How can you say that about me? You know that's not true. And ignore all the other things that were mentioned. With Christians, it's just the opposite. They could say four things that are untrue, but one is true and we have the confidence and the humility to say, you're right about that and own it. Why can, why can we have this humility and confidence? Because we realize, you know, I'm far more sinful than I ever dared to imagine. 
And I can move ahead with confidence because I know I'm righteous in Christ. All right. What about witnessing? What about sharing our faith? If you have an opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus, if I go into assault mode and call it being bold for Jesus, or if I never talk to people about Jesus and his grace, then I'm not being strong in the Lord. But if I am strong in the Lord, I'm both humble and confident. You humbly listen to people and you treat them with dignity and respect. And you confidently share the good news of Jesus and his grace. It takes all the the insecurity out of it. And then third, suffering. When I get hit with suffering, if I become angry at God or angry with myself, I'm not being strong in the Lord. But if I am strong in the Lord, I'm humble and confident. I'm not angry at myself because I know the cross means God's not punishing me. Jesus died for my son. He was punished for my sin. And God will not punish the same sin twice. And you're not angry with God because you know the cross is proof that God loves you. And so what is happening to, whatever happens to us, comes from our loving Father who will ultimately work it for good. And one day, all things will be worked out for good and all things will be made right. And this leads us to our last question. So we need it. We know what it is. How can we have it? How can we have the Lord's strength? Paul says in verse 13, take up the whole armor of God. You know what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, go get the armor of God. He says, take it up, put it on. Why? Because guess what? You don't have to go get it. If you're a Christian, guess what? You already have it. It's already yours. And he tells us to put it on. And he's not saying if you want the armor of God, get righteous. If you want the armor of God, get peaceful, get good. He's not commanding you to make your own armor. It's God's army, our armor, and he tells you to put it on. Not go get it, not make it. It's not your righteousness that you create. It's not your peacefulness, your salvation, or your truthfulness or faith that you create. If, if we had to go into battle with our own righteousness against the forces we were just talking about, we don't stand a chance, do we? We're no match for that. God says take up his armor. You already have it. You know why this is so important to hear? Is because so many people think Christianity and church and you know everything that surrounds it is about doing your best to be a good person because the Bible said so, and they leave it at that. I know countless people who've heard a moralistic gospel where everything's just a transaction of good deeds versus bad deeds, and, and people came to the conclusion, a right conclusion, that they cannot be good enough, and they gave up on all of it. You cannot put your faith in your own righteousness. You need the righteousness of Christ. It's only his righteousness that saves you and preserves you. This armor Paul's talking about has Old Testament background. He's referring to Isaiah chapter 11 and chapter 59 of the same book where the armor is given to the Messiah to accomplish salvation, the Messiah to accomplish salvation for his people. This is Jesus' armor. The armor of his righteousness. The armor that that he wore when he defeated evil through the cross and the resurrection. But look, Ephesians 6 goes beyond the Old Testament. 
Jesus' armor is given to you. You've been given the invincible armor of Jesus' perfect life, his truthfulness. You've been given his, his righteousness. You've been given his peace. You've been given his, his faith and salvation. I mean, you already have it if your trust is in him. And so Paul tells us to simply trust it. Do you struggle with that? With feeling that that's real? Like, okay, I told that I'm going to have it, but I'm not sure that I do. I mean, what do you mean I already have it? Well, I think we all know, if you're a Christian, that we have forgiveness because Jesus died for us, but very few of us know that we already have the armor of Jesus' righteousness. And we live lives that are fearful and crushed. Most Christians believe they have to put on their own armor. Most Christians believe Jesus cleansed them of sin through his death, but now you have to put on and make your your own righteousness. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says Jesus not only cleansed you from sin, but when you believed in him, he gave you his armor of his righteousness. Does that mean we don't sin anymore? That's not what I'm saying. Does that mean we don't put any effort into living righteous life? No, that's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Jesus empowers you to live a strong life, empowers you to live righteous life because he's given you his armor. You have it. So take it up, put it on. And how do we do that? By remembering who you are in Jesus only way you stand against evil, only way, is in Jesus' armor. If you try to stand evil in your, uh, against evil in the armor of your own righteousness, you are done. You need the invincible armor of Christ. We forget. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Martin Luther or Mother Teresa or... Your favorite mega church superstar, pastor, whoever. We all forget and we need to be reminded of who we are in Christ. We forget constantly. The world and our brokenness is so distracting. We need to constantly have our eyes realigned to fix our eyes on Jesus and who he is. Do you know that's why Sunday mornings are so important? That's why they're so critical. I mean, there's other community and DNA groups, you know, three men, three women getting together weekly for encouragement in the gospel or our home groups. And, and Sunday where the whole body comes together, we are not, you know, I'm not here just for me. You are not here just for you. We are here for each other. Other people need to hear you encourage them in the gospel as you sing or as they hear you pray or, or whatever it is. You're part of this whole deal and you need them. And we all, who is arrogant enough to think that we can go more than seven days without being reminded of who we are in Christ and fixing our eyes on on Jesus? Even if you're on, on, we have a couple here this morning, I won't embarrass them because it's their first time here. They go to a church up in LA. They're on vacation. They could blow off church, but it's important to them. So they looked us up and they're here. Not a legalistic thing. They just know how important it is. 
We forget who we are in Christ. We remember who we are in Christ. Remember who Jesus is. When criticism comes to me, do you get discouraged and defensive? If so, it usually means we're looking at our success for our armor. But I take up the armor of God by remembering that's not my armor. Jesus is then I can respond to criticism with humility and confidence. When suffering, I get clobbered by, by suffering, I become frustrated or fearful, it's because I'm looking to my circumstances for, for my armor. But I take the armor of God by remembering that's not my armor, Jesus is. Then I respond to suffering with humility and confidence. When I have an opportunity to share my faith, uh, you know, why do I tack or why do I hide? Because I'm looking to my reputation as my armor. But I take up the armor of God by remembering that's not my armor, Jesus is. Then I'm able to share Jesus with humility and confidence. Do you see how this works out? See what a game changer this is? So let me ask you this morning, where do you need to do battle? What area of your life do you need the strength of the Lord? Do you know that you've been, been grasping after it or fighting that battle in flesh and blood or with the strength of the Lord? Think of a problem that has you down, that makes you angry, that's making you frustrated or, or worried. Or maybe it's just something that you're doing in your own life and other people try to tell you about it, but you just haven't listened. I mean, is there anything that comes to mind where you need to do spiritual battle? And you're hopeless and helpless on your own. What are you looking to instead of Jesus for your armor? How's it working for you? It doesn't work, does it? So Paul says, take up the armor of God. You already have it. Take it up by remembering who you are in Jesus. That fills you with humility and confidence. Take up Jesus' armor. Put it on. And I'm telling you, as Paul says, do it before the evil day is upon you. Don't wait before the hands of evil are around your throat. The evil day is coming and you need to be prepared. Don't wait until it's too late. Trust Jesus and his righteousness now. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me?